The Compassion of Christmas. If you consider the Christmas message, the two themes that seem to stand out are peace and joy. Peace is proclaimed when the angel visits Joseph and says, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife. And then again, when the angel Gabriel visits Zechariah in the temple, he begins with, don't be afraid, Zechariah. God has heard your prayer. Your wife, Elizabeth, will give you a son and you are to name him John. When he greets Mary, he also says, don't be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son and you will name him Jesus. When Zechariah gives praise to God for the birth of his son, he says, the morning light from heaven is about to break upon us to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death and to guide us into the path of peace. Again, when the angels burst into the hillside darkness, the first words to the awestruck shepherds were, don't be afraid, I bring you good news that will bring great joy. And it ended with a chorus, glory to God in the highest heaven, peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. Similarly, joy permeates every part of the Christmas message as well. Starting in Matthew, we read that when the wise men saw the star, they were filled with joy. But it begins even earlier for Elizabeth, who, having waited for years to bear a child, discovers at last that what the angel Gabriel told her husband, Zechariah, was true. She's to bear a son even in her old age. And so she joyfully proclaims how kind the Lord is. He has taken away my disgrace of having no children. Then her joy abounds when Mary arrives to visit her and she declares again, when I heard your greeting, the baby in my womb jumped for joy. Upon hearing this, Mary breaks forth into a song of praise. Oh, my soul praises the Lord, how my spirit rejoices in God, my savior. And when baby John is born, his father too breaks forth into prophetic praise. Praise the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has visited and redeemed his people. The voice of the angels rose also in praise, glory to God in the highest heaven, they sang. And the shepherds, upon seeing the Christ child, went back to their flocks, glorifying and praising God for all they had seen and heard. We ourselves raise our voices in joyful song at this season, singing such famous Christmas carols as, Joy to the world, the Lord is come, let earth receive her king. That's an 18th century hymn, which is one of the most popular of the Christmas season. We also love to sing, hark the herald angels sing, glory to the newborn king, peace on earth and mercy mild, God and sinners reconciled, joyful all ye nations rise. Another well-known Christmas carol written by the Methodist hymnist, Charles Wesley, who penned over 6,000 hymns with the specific purpose of bringing the gospel to the poor and illiterate. We've all attributed the message of joy and peace to the Christmas story and the carols we sing. But how interesting it was that as I was asking God to write about in this devotional, it wasn't either of those obvious things. Rather, his one word was compassion. Well, that stopped me for a moment. Compassion, although of course it's easy to attribute compassion to Christ himself, but to the Christmas story, the story of his birth, I really struggled to think how this connected. And then he began to show me.
I hope as we take this journey of discovery together, you can see the compassion of Christ rise again as we celebrate together this beautiful season. It begins really as God reaches out to Zechariah, a priest, a man trained to serve in the sanctuary. Zechariah had been specifically selected to burn incense in the temple. It was a prestigious appointment and one that undoubtedly made him so happy. He knew precisely what to do and set about his task with great diligence. What he wasn't expecting was a divine messenger, one with a miraculous announcement. He and his elderly barren wife, Elizabeth, would have a son, not just Annie's child, but a divinely appointed child who would be filled from his conception with the Holy Spirit, one who would prepare the people for the coming of the Lord. Does Zachariah believe this incredible dispatch? Sadly, no. His first words were, how can this be? Gabriel wasn't impressed with his doubts and told him emphatically, I'm Gabriel. I stand in the very presence of God. It was he who sent me to bring you this good news. Time and again, God has shown the same compassion, bringing the gospel message, the good news to the church, as Jesus did when he told the Pharisees during his three years of earthly ministry, as Peter and Paul did in their evangelism and discipleship and letters to all the churches, as John did in recording the message of the Holy Spirit to those churches in the book of Revelation. Throughout all time, God has reached out to his church that we may hear and receive his compassionate communication. Don't be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am the living one. I died, but look, I am alive forever and ever, and I hold the keys of death in the grave. And he brought this message so that the grace of the Lord Jesus may be with God's holy people. We see the compassion of God again when he sent his angel to speak to Joseph. Here was a man of tradition, a man who believed in God and faithfully served him, but like Zechariah, wasn't too sure about the miraculous invading his life. When his young fiance came to him and declared she'd been visited by an angel and God himself had created the child growing within her womb, his heart turned gold. This could not be. It was impossible. Mary was making this up but not wanting to publicly disgrace her, accusing her of pro pro promiscuity would result in a charge that would bring her to death by stoning. He decided to quietly put her aside and break their engagement until the angel visited him in a dream, until the angel told him, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit. Oh, the compassion of God to come to a man like Joseph, a man who, bound by tradition and culture, was determined to do what he believed was right. God selected such a man, for he knew that Joseph would listen when God spoke, would obey when God asked him, would serve when God called him, would willingly surrender and sacrifice even his own reputation, even his own will and ways, to parent the Son of God. And what about the compassion of God in reaching out to the Magi, trained astronomers who looked to the stars for guidance and answers to the world's situations? They weren't known as religious men in the true sense of the word. Educated, yes, but in the ways of science, in the knowledge of the stars and what they foretold. And they wanted to worship the 
child when they'd heard that he would be the newborn king of the Jews. But surely this wasn't an ordinary king, for they'd never have traveled this far. Herod, they certainly didn't come to visit when he was born. They came to worship a supernaturally appointed ruler, one who only the brightest lights in the sky could foretell. God in his compassion came to men of science, men of learning and renown, men highly respected for their wisdom and insight. Men he trusted would lay aside their earthly understanding, even their earthly resources and energies to listen and follow the kingmaker star. Even though they originally thought they'd find this child in a palace, they willingly traveled still farther to the small village of Bethlehem. They weren't disgusted at the poverty of the home they entered, the simplicity of the mother. No, they bowed and they worshiped the child, for they knew this was the king they sought. God in his compassion still comes to the educated, still asks them to humble themselves and follow his light, to bend their knee and bow their heads to worship God's son with their generous gifts and willing hearts, to surrender their own knowledge in order to learn from the only wise God and king. And God in his compassion still comes to the politicians, no matter how corrupt or godless. He made sure that Herod learned from the wise men a newborn king of the Jews had been born. Although a descendant of Esau, Herod was not deemed Jewish, but his family converted to Judaism and raised him as such. Regardless, he was led by his passion for power and not faith, and he was willing to do anything to gain his political power and his position from Rome, even executing his own family members and his wife. His draconian methods of rule and excessive taxation garnered him hatred from the Jews and the Pharisees and Sadducees alike. Yet God in his compassion brought the message of the Christ child to his very doorstep, forcing him to approach his leading priests in order to learn where the Messiah would be born. <laughs> Tragically, he offered to uh, go and worship when the wise men returned to tell of the Christ child, but that was all smoke and mirrors, and the Magi were warned by God in a dream not to return to Herod, whose heart remained cold and selfish. Still today, God in his compassion reaches out to our politicians in both signs and wonders as well as prophecies and convicting words of repentance, asking them to surrender their hearts and their leadership to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Finally, God in his compassion reaches out to the lowly, the misunderstood, the condemned and rejected. On a hillside, shepherds watched their flock, oblivious to the starry sky, the cries of a young woman in labor, the hustle and bustle of a village crowded by strangers forced to come for registration. The shepherds were simple men who spent their days watching their sheep chew grass, guiding their stubborn flock from grassy knoll to streams of water. Because of their nomadic life, they knew people accused them of thievery and debauchery and worse, but they didn't care. They just got on with living and doing and being until one night a heavenly host visited them. Until they were told a savior had been born who was Christ the Lord. Awestruck by the Lord's glorious choir and wondrous message, they didn't waste time rationalizing and worrying. 
like the simple men they were, they just rushed down out of the hillside into the teeming village, and they searched until they found the child, as the angels had said, wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And then they burst out of that cave, and they told everyone they met what they had heard and seen about this child. The reaction? Well, some people doubted these smelly men, reviled them as foolish, and perhaps there were others that were amazed by this message that the shepherds had seen and heard from the angels. And they even checked the babe themselves. And what about the shepherds? They were forever changed. They glorified and praised God all the way back up the hill. Although they likely returned to their simple lives, still felt the daily sting of the villagers' derision, Inside, they were transformed by the compassion of a God who saw them, loved them, parted the very heavens to send not just one, but a host of angels to sing to them of their Savior's birth. God still shows such compassion today, revealing his message of salvation to the meek and the lowly, that they may become rich in faith and inherit the kingdom he promised to those who love him. The Christmas story is indeed a story of God's compassion in which he reaches across all boundaries to tell the young and the old, the weak and the powerful, the uneducated and the learned that he has sent his son into the world not to condemn but to save. This is truly a message to sing about. Amen.